Welcome to Secret Lives of Expanders. This is where we get to meet and learn from those who have done things outside the box. The idea is to introduce you to entrepreneurs, creators, and healers who have done really wild things. And this episode, it was wild. It was amazing. It was insightful and it was interesting and it was unusually grounding. I got to hang out with uh, one of my new favorite people, author, almost a rabbi turned into a monk, an advanced meditator, a business owner responsible for taking Hay House from 3 million to 100 million. So you could see he has a complete range of skills. And uh, my guest is Daniel Levin. And Daniel's a is an incredible storyteller. We touched on so many things in such a short period of time and it went by so quick. I may have even had a mini breakthrough in this conversation. He has written many books and his recent one, which I know I'm going to check out, is called Mosaic. I loved speaking and connecting with Daniel. He's so fascinating and um, you can't help but lean into the wisdom that he has. That's his gift. He shared how he said no to running and owning and taking over a massively successful company and uh, what all of that meant in his life and how it all unfolded. Daniel was such a great reminder on surrender, on staying grounded in the fact that not every decision has to be a good one or a bad one and we don't have to make meaning out of everything. This may have been a bit of my breakthrough here and uh, I have a feeling there's more to come. We touched on detachment and this is something that I teach inside of Elevate Club. The more you want something and the more you desire it and the more you're obsessed about it, the more se- the more separate you become from it. And so you can't magnetize that thing into your life. If you're an Elevate Club, you have heard me talk about the concept of detachment and how it's the key in actually creating the dream life and business that you like, that you want, and bringing it into reality. And if you're not and you're interested, check out our club and our community. The link, I'm sure, is in here somewhere, Um, but it's also www.elevate.me, and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T. Also, would love to connect with you. Reach out to me on social media and Instagram and tell me what you think about this podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Secret Lives of Expanders. Today, I am so excited because I have someone extremely fascinating with me today that I'm Looking forward to getting to know. We have crossed paths a couple of times and took our time to get actually connected. And I'm excited to be spending a little bit of time with uh, Daniel here today. He has uh, been an ordained rabbi. Then he became a monk for 10 years. And uh, he was also the director, the business director development at Hay House and led uh, its growth from 3 million to 100 million in revenue. He um, has just a, a really fascinating life. I feel like I can spend, prob- without knowing a ton about you, the next few hours just learning about all, all the things that you have experienced, that you've gone through, and, and your wisdom. So 
let's um, get started. Would you want to initiate this conversation by maybe telling us a bit about yourself? Like, who's Daniel Levin? Good question. I've been, I'm 68 years old. I've been wondering that my whole life. Um, so um, I think what really happened early on, I was just a normal kid brought up in a normal home. My, my dad was a lower working, working guy, lower middle class guy, um, fell in love with my mom. They had a love affair that was made for the movies. Uh, the moment they saw each other, they knew they were going to be together and they fell madly in love. Um, he was quite a few years older than she, um, I think 12 or 14 years older than she, uh, but that didn't stop him. They got married and, um, he worked really hard to give her everything she wanted and then to give us everything we wanted. But the downside of that was that he, um, didn't have the money to do that. So he went deeply, deeply, deeply and did that. He, I think it weighed on him as he got older, clearly. Mm -hmm. um, and he died making love to my mom. So Probably. that shows how connected they were. Yeah. I always say what a great way for him to go, but what a lousy way for him to go for my mom. So, so wait, did... Like literally, you mean? Literally, he was making love. And while he was making love, he had a heart attack and died. Wow. And so his heart just, the love that he had was so big that his heart couldn't handle it. Mm. He was clearly devastated. That was on July 4th. She passed away two years later on exactly the same day at exactly the same time. Because as much as she wanted to be there for us, for the kids, I have an older brother. But I was 13 when my dad passed and 15 when my mom passed. He just, um, she didn't know what to do without him. Yeah. And he didn't know. And I'm sure he was calling her to come and get her. Um, because I, I, they were that, I mean, almost obsessively connected. So that left us as kids. And my mom had a sister who she didn't really get along with that well. I think because my dad was lower middle class and my, my aunt married a man who was a household name, I think there was, my dad felt not good enough. And I think there was competition, which there was no competition because my dad was nowhere even close to the same financial place. Um, so we didn't know them growing up. But then when my, when my parents passed away, my aunt said, we're going to bring you to the Midwest and you're going to live with us. So my life took a huge U-turn. I went from a lower middle-class family to an elite upper-class family. And I found, um, I found myself as comfortable in that setting as I was in the other, even though that new setting for all the money that was there, the love was not there. They did not love one another, but I was used to this, you know, love transcends everything. It's just magical love. And there wasn't magical love there. Um, my uncle was sort of a general and everybody called him a general, but they had good hearts. They took, they didn't have to take me in. They took me in. So they were beautiful people. I don't want in even any way, shape or form to say anything. But so I had a chance to see the world from a lower middle class perspective. And then from an elite upper class perspective. 
And it was as if I was just changing raincoats, you know, it was it, both of them felt as comfortable to me as the other. Mm -hmm. And I was, my uncle said, um, I'm going to watch you for the next few years. And if I like what I see, which I think I will, um, I'm going to make you an offer in a few years. that's going to completely change your life. And so I said, okay, great. Care to tell me what that is? He said, not yet. You know, let's just see where it goes. A few years later, he took me out to lunch. He took me out of school and said, I'm going to take you to lunch. Um, he took me to lunch and he said, I want to start you today after, after lunch. I'm going to take you to the office. I'm going to put a broom in your hand and I'm going to start you sweeping floors. Uh, and I'm going to watch you work your way up the ladder because in 15 years, you're 15 years old now in 15 years, I'm, I want you to take over my company. And this was a, multi huh? did he have kids? He had three girls. And in oh, those wow. days you didn't give your company to girls. Thank God that ceiling has been broken, but this was 50 years ago. Right. And so it was unheard of to think that I'm going to give my company to, uh, to my daughters. Um, somewhere along the line, I was thankful. I was happy. But I said to him, you know, it's taken you. You're a brilliant man. You have a lot of knowledge. You have a lot of insight into people. And you watched me now for like a, a year or two before you made that offer. I'm just a kid. I would like a year to watch you and see if what I see is what I want to have, what I want to be. Um, and I'm, I'm so honored that you would offer it, but I don't know what I'm walking into. So I would really like that time. He said, you're a peculiar kid, Danny, but I like that about you. And I said, tell me why. He said, well, 99.9 .9 say nine until you can't say nine anymore percent of the people would have said where do i sign thank you give me the broom i'll start right now you're walking away from a billion dollar opportunity because you want to know you want to find out more and, and learn more about me um there's something beautiful in that and there's something very peculiar in that mm -hmm. so um, i'm curious what because that basically sounds like you somehow innately knew that something's got to be aligned with you for you yeah. to think. Yeah. Which is very unique to a 15-year-old, you said at the time? Yes. yes. Or a 15-year-old. It's like, I don't think I really knew what it felt like to be aligned with something until I turned 40. So... Okay. Well, with all due respect, you had, you may not have, lo I lost my parents, bing, bing, you know, yeah. Bing, yeah. and all of a sudden life became very different for me. Like yeah. I, I would have done that as a 12 year old boy. boy. I, I, I think I would probably would have said yes, but like I, now, yeah. suddenly everything was fleeting and everything that I loved had been taken from me. And all of a sudden I had a, I, I had a chance to find something, but I didn't feel that same love in the in the place that I walked into yeah. so I was hesitant yeah and and so um as it would have it I walked away from that and they were um 
Imagine giving somebody everything that you could possibly give them. From their point of view, every, they gave me everything. They gave me an opportunity that people dream of for their whole life. And anybody in their right mind would have said, yes, where do I go? Send, you know, just lead, tell me what to do and I'm there. Yeah. And I walked away. Yeah. So it hurt them. And I didn't realize that it hurt them. But their, their option then was to excommunicate me. They basically said, we have, we have, we have nothing that we can offer you. And, and we, are, we see you do not make good decisions. Was that at uh, at that age or that, later? Time? That was it. I went. I was going away to college, and they uh, said they said we made the commitment to pay for your college. Okay. We will continue to do that, but you're not welcome here anymore. Mm -hmm. This is no longer your home. So I, I I said to them, you know, I completely get it. Uh, I and and I know this is going to sound strange to you to hear. But I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking me in, for showing me what's possible. I hope you understand that I'm not walking away from you. I'm just walking away from something that I don't know anything that doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. And um, I think what you like about me is that I trust my instincts. But I think what you don't like about me is I trust my instincts because this was an easy offer to say yes to. And I completely get it. And I will honor your, your um, wishes. Yeah. Um, as it turns out, they didn't quite excommunicate me. They, came, they, they looked for ways to find me and try and help me out and do things, which was really beautiful, you know. And I, yeah. and I, I was really taken by that. But it was never quite the same. Sure. So, I so think how, how, how did that sort of that kind of beginning and that kind of foundation lead you because you've done so much yes yeah well short period of time yeah you know i'm the type of guy that thinks that i've never done really much of anything but i, I mean when I, yeah which is typically the kind of personality that actually does so much it's like <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done enough i haven't done enough but like yeah. I was just looking at your um, at your bio, and it's like, okay, you've published four books. You have written a book uh, for a resort in Maui. You have had uh, you've branded a company. You were a director of business development at, at Hay House. You did like you became a monk for ten years. You became a rabbi, you practiced uh, meditation for 45 years, which I know that's like, you've, there's just so much you've done um, in life. What else? Like, whatever it is, because, you know, it's just, it's just a resume of which really means nothing. If in this, if in this moment, if, if in this moment, all of that prepares me to love you in a way that you feel loved and accepted and feel and feel nurtured by my presence mm -hmm. then worthwhile if well, and in some ways daniel i i feel like all of those are also at the same time the things that make you be able to be present with me and love uh, nurture me and make me feel like we're in a safe space and can have this conversation at the same time 
I sure hope so. I mean, that that would mean that I put my attention in the right place as I was going through all those things. Because there are a lot of people that are multimillionaires or billionaires that do you do not, I do not feel comfortable in their presence. Mm -hmm. I don't feel safe in, that, in their presence. So it isn't just the idea of making a lot of money that yeah. makes safe enough to feel like I can be with anybody. Yeah. It's it's what you do with anything in life, what, I, what I've done with, with my life. Yeah. Um, and most people would look at it and say, what a waste of time. You just walked away from you know, so many opportunities and you could have affected so many more people if you would have just played the game. But I didn't know how to play the game. And I, yeah. and I didn't know how to go against the things that I felt so that I could have the opportunity down the line to maybe be able to override the power of those situations. Because yeah. everything has power to it. Everything has magnetism to it. You walk into a certain, you walk in a certain way and there, you're not just walking, you're on an escalator and the escalator starts to move quicker and quicker and quicker. the more you stay on it, mm -hmm. and that escalator takes you to a certain place. And if you're unsure of where you're going, you go unknowingly into a place that doesn't does or does not make you happy. It doesn't have to make you unhappy, but I found that it didn't wasn't making me happy. Mm -hmm. I was happy that I was able to hop off of the escalator. But, yeah. but it left me sort of isolated and alone. Yeah, and I, I, I could see that. I, I also from my point of view, obviously we've had very different lives. I think that and, and from my experiences with other humans in general and what they experience is that, first of all, it is extremely rare that at such a young age, you would be able to recognize what it is that you want and be comfortable saying no to something that culture, society, family, the matrix, if you would, um, is like telling you it's a heck yes. Like the matrix would say, like, everybody would be like, that is not the smartest decision. No, no. I mean, right? and, and, and I believe them. I mean, I, you know, I, I, and they were right. It was not the smartest decision. Well, but, but it was the right decision. It's smartest by measure of, if you compare to what the society, the consciousness of society was is now, but was at the time yet yeah, correct relative to that no but it was the right decision which means it was the smart decision for you at the time so you know you're beautiful in the way you're summing this up and you're really helping me see it in a way that i haven't seen it before because what i think is important to communicate in this moment and if this is all i have to say on this show i'd be thrilled to leave people with this thought sometimes doing the right thing is not the right thing hmm. Every, in every way, shape, or form, it was the right thing for me to walk into that business, to learn, to, to, to grow, to expand, to be nurtured, to be loved, to make lots of money, to be able to contribute that money to causes that I wanted to contribute it to. But sometimes the right thing for everybody else is not the right thing for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? I have this... Um yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a principle, a spiritual principle that I live by and I teach, which is when you do something that is for your highest good, right? Like in that moment when you chose not to take that position, 
that was for, was for what was for your highest good. When you do that, when you make that decision, whether like for me, it was like when I asked for divorce um, or any other big decision that I have made in my life that kind of went against the grain or it quote unquote was not the right decision, you know, when it was perceived by other people, then um, when you make decisions that are the best for your highest self, it always works out the best for everybody involved. Yeah, and I, I hope that's true. Um, I don't know. I can't say in my life that the things that I've done have been the best decision for everybody in my life because clearly in that situation, my uncle was pissed. My uncle, my uncle found something in me and wanted me. He was looking for an heir to his business. Okay. Yes. But, but hold on, let's break this down. Cause I think this is really valuable. Super valuable. What if you, what if you took that position, even though it wasn't what was your highest value? Okay. Even though it wasn't aligned, you took that position. You would not be serving that company. Well, from that position. Maybe. From that so, so those are the, those, like, I love you because I love the inquiry that you're going through. It's beautiful. But those if questions are, re the reason why they're if questions is because the answers are not quite obvious. Like, we can assume that if I did something that was against what it was that it was bringing me joy, that I would not be happy. But I, in the course of my life, I've seen at least in my life and I've seen in the life of hundreds of people that I work with that we are malleable, that we may go into a situation feeling like this is right. And then we're, we're in that situation. We're given another opportunity. That other opportunity seems to all of a sudden become absolutely perfectly suited for us. We enter into that and we have tremendous joy in doing that. Like, I don't think I would have been unhappy in that life. I mean, it makes a nice sort of bow tie on the, on the, on the suit that I'm wearing to have that point of view, because then it tucks everything in the right place. Mm -hmm. But in my life, I haven't seen everything get tucked in and presents get wrapped without any wrinkles in the paper. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think whatever way I would have chosen could have given me joy because the, the path that I did chose brought me a lot of suffering and a lot of pain and a lot of separation and a lot of angst where I could have just, I mean, I could have snapped my fingers and had whatever it was that I wanted. Mm. I didn't get to live that life. And that isn't because what the life that I got to live isn't better than that life. It was just my, it was just my life. It was what, for whatever reason, I had to go through in this lifetime, which I hope nobody else has to go through because it wasn't pleasant. Mm -hmm. It wasn't easy. It would have been much easier in so many ways to just say, oh, my God, thank you so much. And to work for a little while and then to retire at, you know, 35 years old and have, you know, tons of money and help to build the company that my uncle, that was my uncle's joy. Um, to say thank you for taking me in when you didn't have to, to give back to him something that he wanted me to give to him. But instead, I turned my back on it all. Mm. And I... You Are know, you I, at peace with that, Daniel? Am I at peace with it? Um, yeah, mostly. 
you know, but what happens is for me, being a 68-year-old man now and looking at the situation from the point of view of a 68-year-old man who has grown up and has matured and has seen life in many different perspectives. The mosaic to me, there are many pieces in a mosaic. And I, so I think in the choice that I made, I was the piece that I got from the piece, P-I-E-C-E, that I took was, was good. It was a great, but there were so many other pieces that I could have latched onto. And I don't think I saw that then. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that I'm not at peace with what I what with the decisions I made. What I really want to convey, and I don't know that I'm doing a great job. I feel like I'm stumbling in this uh, presentation. Oh. Is that every situation has the opportunity for there to be peace in it, mm-hmm. and there is no right wrong. Like I didn't make the right decision, and it and I didn't do the wrong decision. Yeah. I made a decision. And from that decision, I created a life that was a life that I would live. But I can see lots of different avenues on, on the road to my life that would have looked entirely different, would have had their set, their, their shares of joys and pains, just like my road had its share of joys and pains. And I could have taken any of those if I would have just made the commitment to do it. And I think that's a huge that I don't hear many people in this arena speaking that way. I hear a lot of this is this was right. You had the courage. You did something. You stood up and you did what you 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 know what you yeah maybe I did you know. But I, I also feel like I was I was young. I was hurt. Mm-hmm. I loved my parents. I was looking for something that I that I hadn't found. I wanted to just be held and loved and and I wanted to just be able to go to my mom and cry in her arms, go to my dad and hold his ring finger and just feel safe as I walked like a a mini version of him next to him and just felt, you know, like, okay, to hell with the rest of the world. We can do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. And those weren't there for me anymore. Mm -hmm. Instead was a very, was a golden, a golden path that was easy, that would have had its complications, that would have had, which would have taken certain sacrifices, that would have made me become a slightly different person than I am. But that person might be better than the one that I am. I don't know that. You can't, I can't, I can't predict that I wouldn't be this person had I done that because I am this person. Does that make sense to you? Totally makes sense. And you know what I love about this conversation or your perspective is that it's so neutral. It's so lovingly neutral to all the different paths or all the different realities that could exist, you know, for you. And so that brings me to the next uh, point. I want to, I want to make sure we talk about this before we wrap up, but you mentioned the mosaic of, of life. And I know that's your, that's your recent book. Yes. I know you've written many books. But yes. So what is, what's that book about? So in a lot of ways, it's the story of my life told, fabulized. Uh, I made a fable out of my life that talked about a boy who lost his parents two years apart on the same day. Mm-hmm. And when he asked, he, when he asked, when he tried to find out why, he was told to walk, to go around the world and, and, talk, and meet people yeah. and talk to people. 
But the people he met were not the clergymen and the swamis and the, and, and the great wise men and women of the world. They were the common ordinary people. And so he sat with the trash man and the gardener and the waitress and the street cleaner and, the, you know, all the different common people that you could ever meet. And I myself wondered, why am I like, why am I sitting with these people? They're not people that are going to teach me about the esoteric nature of life that I want, that draws me and compels me. But I found that I was really wrong. I found that what I thought and the, like, I think if there's a if there's a, a stream to our conversation and what I'm trying to say here is that nothing is the way it seems. Nothing. My life wasn't the way it seems. I didn't do the things the way I sh it seemed I should have. The people that I've met have not been like the one, like they seem. That once I went, whenever we sit and have enough interest and love and care, that we can actually take time to sit with another person and say. Tell me who you are. Mm. Like, look what you're doing right now. We don't know each other. We've never had a conversation, but you're beautifully drawing out of me <laughs> something that allows people who are listening, if they're interested at all, to say, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting, different perspective. Mm -hmm. Right? And you're very good at that. You know? But, but for me, that was something that I had to learn. That... And I learned it by just talking to people that I would never talk to, listening to people that I would never listen to, and just enjoying all that happened as a result of that. Mm. If, if I could give people one bit of like um, learning that, I've, that I just marvel in, it's when you have something to decide, when you have decisions in front of you, when you have questions about life, go to people you would never think of going to. Mm. Sit on a street corner with a homeless person and just have a conversation. Go into the coffee shop and just see if you can steal the waiter or waitress away for three minutes and just listen to them. Mm walk along when the gardener is gardening outside your house and bring him an iced tea or lemonade and just say, uh, do you have time for a few minute conversation? I just want to thank you. And just sort of give love to places where you would never think to give love to. I was a snob. You know, I was, uh, you give love to the elite and you, you go for the top people and the, and the thing because the top people can filter down and it's going to change everything. Um, I do that too. But there's so much beauty to be found in listening to people that nobody wants to listen to. Sure. It's gorgeous. It's exquisite. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it is so much more delicious to have those conversations because their heart and soul is in every breath they take and in every word they say. You've got, you've got a way with words, Daniel. <laughs> you know, Except written like what, four books? Yes. But that, you know, that's the Jewish gift of gab. My, my, my mom always said, well, you don't have to do anything. You can just sit and talk and people, people like hearing you, but well, you know, it's, um, 
No, it's, I wouldn't call it a gap. Like the way that you say the things and the words are very intentional, you know, and you, you're drawn in and I'm very present to this conversation too. So, which I really appreciate. Um, I'm curious what, from everything that you have done, okay. All of your life. Yeah. What would you say? You already gave us one piece of wisdom. I guess like, tell me what would be, what would you say is your secret sauce? Um, something that I never thought I would ever say to you five years ago or mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Um, I don't think I have much inside of me, but I do think I have the ability to listen to the world around me, not only to the things that are said, but to the quiet. Mm. And when I'm able to listen to the quiet, I, you know, I say I meditated for 24 years or 45 years, whatever the amount of time. I'm juxtaposing those numbers, I guess. Um, but that process of meditation is so anti um, what most people do. Yeah. Like I live in a world where people spend their time busying themselves so much to get things done. What's happened for me is I've realized the more I busy myself, I'm like a rat running on that rat wheel, on that rat wheel. And I'm running sometimes without any consciousness of where I'm going. And if you're running and you don't know where you're going, you'll always get to where you want to get to because you have no destination. Mm-hmm. But for me, when I've taken the time to just slow down, to sit and quietly listen, mm -hmm. there is, and this isn't just for me, because it, 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 exactly the opposite. If I can do it, then anybody can do it. But there is a well of, of, of such knowledge and wisdom and power and strength and love that is just sitting inside of us that I know I'm scared to death of. I run, I run at the first opportunity to get out. Hey, what are you guys doing? You want to go out? What you want, you want to do, you know, like what's going on? Hey, you want to, but when I can take the time to sit and just absorb myself in that well and be in that spring and let it wash over me and let it cleanse me and let it fill me. Oh my God. I can't get that anywhere else. I mean, people give it to me in certain measures, but not like this place. Yeah. yeah. And I was so, so my encouragement to anybody listening, if they, if they haven't already said, this guy's a crazy bofo and we're going to just shut him out, um, would be to whatever your way is to finding your way back into your center. Find it no matter how many obstacles you have, no matter how many times you try and you fall down, no matter how many times you want to give up, no matter what you feel, no matter how many times you hate yourself and think you're not good enough, no matter all those things, just keep walking one small step at a time. I love that. What a, what a beautiful uh, piece of wisdom for us to finish up and wrap up. But before we do that, um, will you tell everybody what you are working on, where they can find you, how can, they can get in touch with you? I know 
um, for me, I, you and I have con- are connected on Instagram. So uh, I'm sure that's one place they can find you. And, and what else? Um, so I have two websites, the mosaiconline.com mm-hmm. danielbrucelevin.com. And if you go to either of them, all the handles will be there. Okay. Um, and we will go ahead and put all the links in the show notes. So if you're listening to this podcast, you'll be able to locate it no matter where in the podcast you are. The, the other answer to the, the answer to the other question you ask is what completely excites me. And I don't know if I'll be able to do it because my body's acting up um, is I'm planning to take a trip around the world. I'm calling it the love tour. Mm. I want to go to places and sit on street corners or in boardrooms or in hospitals or in jails or in synagogues and churches or in cafes and just sit with the people that nobody wants to sit with Mm. and listen to the people that nobody listens to. Mm. I find through the work that I've done on Mosaic that broken pieces tell the most beautiful stories you could ever imagine. And in a world where everybody tries to polish themselves up and, and appear whole, I come broken. And I come and just say, how does my brokenness connect somewhere to you? Mm-hmm. Even if it's just the barest corner. Mm-hmm. How do we create a mosaic between us that invites everything that you know and everything that I know, everyone that you know and everyone that I know into a world that makes sense and is beautiful and that challenges us and that loves us mm-hmm. just to become more than we are in this moment. Who I am now, like, look at the light coming. That's like crazy. <laughs> I know. So, so what, you guys can't see where here if you're listening to the podcast is there's all these orbs and and uh, light that is coming through. It's it's beautiful. And it's light from the window. It has nothing to do with me, but it's just <laughs> it's light from the window and back. But it's just it's like just this ray. I feel like I'm sitting in the light, literally. It's, um, it's beautiful. Yeah, um, Daniel. Thank you so much for giving me your time and spending some time with me and giving me absolute present time consciousness and um, learned some really beautiful pieces of wisdom from you. So totally appreciate you. Um, Everyone, please check out Daniel, connect with him, ask your questions. This was a beautiful conversation. I appreciate you. Um, And as much as you say that, multiply it by a thousand and that's how much I appreciate you. This this is our first conversation. I I really hope it will not be our last. I Uh, have a feeling we will. I hope we can play together somehow. Thank you for being you and for the beautiful things that you do in this world. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening in to this episode of Secret Lives of Expanders. And stay tuned for all the other juicy episodes that we have coming up. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona 
Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.elevate.me, and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.